0: today learn how to optimize your communication to improve your relationships are you a leader trying to get more from your business and life me too so join me as i document the conversations stories and advice to help you achieve what matters in your life welcome to unbound with me chris dubois Andre Paradis has spent a lifetime teaching and learning from dance to language and now in his big calling phase as both a certified life and NLP coach. Through his company, Project Equinox, he is teaching relationship dynamics, how to better understand each other, and the expectations that are held. Andre is also an educator on effective communication. He cooks his clients with the tools to bring permanent improvement to their relationships. And today, we will explore how those dynamics affect the relationship of a leader and their team. Andre, welcome to Unbound.
1: Good morning, thank you. Happy to be here.
0: Yeah. So, uh, as always, we're going to jump in with your origin story and uh, see where that takes us.
1: Okay, how far back do you want to go? <laughs>
0: because my story it's, has
1: three folds, three giant, gigantic uh, kind of. Whichever
0: fold is the most interesting starting point? Okay. Uh,
1: <laughs> well, I think ABC. They all they all loop together. So. Uh, all right. Let's in, do it. In a, in a, in a, Quick nutshell: Born French Canadian in my in Quebec City in a snowbank. That's what it felt like. I was um, number four kid out of five, and um, at the age of five, I had a revelation. Like bringing my thoughts and my feelings together, you know. Before that, you have feelings; you can't explain your feelings. Kids just react and feel. Anyway, so at five, when I put the two together, I have enough logic and brains to do this, I realized this is stupid and crazy, but I realized I was born in the wrong family. Five years old. There was a big mistake somewhere. I don't know how. I'm a kid. But these people are not my people. I don't belong here. They don't like me. I don't i don't fit in. I'm just an oddity. And so I was really weird and it was really scary at five because I realized I was on my own. And I was gonna pretty much have to take care of myself, period. Uh so as scary as it was, it was actually kind of there's an automatic kind of reflex to like step up right pay attention sort of see how it's going to go so my my internal radar which is interesting is that as opposed to be able to be a kid I became sort of like my radar turned outwards and became very vigilant as watching the world and everybody around it first to explain my circumstances like how is that possible how can you be born in a wrong family like how weird is that like, what happened here? So that was sort of like, so I'm watching the world, I'm watching people, I'm watching my family, and I became a watcher. I would be the kid in the corner just watching everyone, trying to make sense of it all. And then that got me fascinated with the human condition. Like, some of the guys at the school that I thought were really cool, that I wanted to be like, like, how do you have to be cool like this? Like, how do you get to have swag? You know, how do you, like like, and then... And then, for me, the more different the person was, the more curious I was. So, I, I observed the world, I observed people, and in that, I sort of developed some kind of more more than an instinct, kind of a, an ability to connect them, an ability to feel them at a distance, which is interesting. Like the focus of it, be able to tap into their essence and their energy. And anyway, so that was sort of how it started out. My 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 awareness of. People and um, fascination with the human condition. So as I develop, as I grew, uh, I went to a fancy private high school. That's one thing my dad uh, provided very well. Um, and I ended up in a ballroom class <laughs> for PE. The cute little girl said, "Please sign with me because we need to be a couple." And I didn't know she even knew I existed. And the surprise, I'm about to turn 16 years old or so. And I remember the first class that, we, that I took. With this cute little thing in my arms, looking to my right at the teacher, like everything that he showed us first class, never been in class in my life. Everything he did, I could just copy. I could just, just like, like instantly copy. Which is very interesting because I didn't know I had that. So that was a gift. Don't know where we came from, but like because, so. In in a moment, within about four months, I went from invisible geek to star. I was at the start of the class. The other girls wanted to dance with me because the guys wouldn't pick it up. They didn't know how. They were overthinking it, blah, blah, blah. I became the teacher's assistant, and we started performing in school and outside of school. And so from zero to 60, you know, they opened the channel. I remember in that first class sort of feeling alive, and, and I think I smiled maybe for the first time in my life in that class. Like, just it just lifted my spirit. I was a sad little kid. There was... You know, out of sword, and so that kind of lifted my spirit. And guess what? That's the only uh, the only thing I, I wanted to do. Right? That's all I wanted to do, right? And I dance more and I dance more and dance more. my parents are like, "What are you doing? What is this? does it going to take you? That's crazy. That's not life." I'm like, and so long story short, I took it all the way from Quebec City to Los Angeles, and I managed to work. <laughs> I made my way to the top and danced with Michael Jackson, danced with Prince, danced with Paul Abdul for two years, danced with you name it. I made a living at dancing. There you go, mom and dad. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like in your face. That was funny because they went from shaking their heads going, you're just going to be a miserable loser your whole life. This is going to take you anywhere. And on the other side of Michael Jackson, they take credit for it. You know, I think he holds, you know, I think he gets that from me. Like, <laughs> he's got that talent on my, kind of my side of the family, really. Anyway, so hysterical. That was fascinating. That was amazing. That was a hell of a life. That was exciting. Um, in the business of dancing in Los Angeles, there's, you You perform and you teach and you perform and you teach and you perform. And you You're out of town, you come back, you have a class, you fill up your class because the guy just finished dancing with Michael Jackson, right? Like, so... That's the, that's the filler of between the gigs. You teach, you make money that way. Uh, my wife walked into my class one day. That was it. <laughs> In two and a half minutes, this was my woman. This was my girl. This is my baby. I don't ask me how. Don't ask me like I, it was beyond both of us. It was above us. I can't say that it was like my soulmate. That's not it. That I recognized. That's I don't know. I, it was just this is my wife. <laughs> so that was thirty years ago still my wife, (laughs) still my baby, still my angel. So at one point, she's a ballerina, so that's why she's in my class. She was coming from Virginia, LA style, blah, blah. Um, Within a few years, we decided to start a family. I wanted children. I met my children in my dreams, actually. I I knew they were coming. And uh, so I quit the road. I called my agent and said, uh, well, so um, I'm not traveling anymore. Uh, so unless the work is in Los Angeles, you know, don't even bother sending me to audition. They're like, she's like, are you crazy? Like, you don't understand that most of you, I go, I don't, I'm starting a family. I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying in town. I'm not going to be the absent dad. I'm not going to be in Europe when my kids are a year old, two year old, three. I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm going to be in their lives. I'm like my dad, of course, pushing away from what I knew and I missed. So I opened a car business in Los Angeles that was six minutes from my house two blocks from the kids school and so not only I but both me and my wife were there every parade, every recital, every Christmas, whatever, like ten o'clock in the morning on Tuesday, I'm in the audience with my wife. Like we're there for the kids all the way through. You know, we both picked them up from school as needed. And so that was that was the way I wanted it. I created it that way. Um, completely different life than traveling and dancing. I'm like grounded in fixing cars, which is another one of my uh, passion by the way classic cars so that kind of fed my addiction for old cars <laughs> built into my business and that worked for years and years and years but i was always the personal development guy i did started started personal development at 23 years old again challenging myself trying to learn about me about the world about life but that's just my brain since my curiosity was unending i was in San Diego, san san jose california which is northern california here uh in a business wor- uh, workshop for three days because i'm that guy i was trying to blow the scene of the ceiling off my business i'd taken it as far as i could with my knowledge so i wanted more so in that workshop on the way flight back to los angeles there was a couple that i met in the workshop that sitting we're sitting the same row which i thought was just random <laughs> don't believe that anymore i <laughs> don't believe that anymore but then you know, circumstances were seem coincidental. Anyway, the lady says to me, "What are you doing next weekend?" I go, "I'm free next weekend." Why? She goes, "You want to come to the workshop? It's on me." I'm like, hey, "Hell yeah!" Because that's my brain. <laughs> I'm like, sure, for free on top, because these could be expensive. And then, and then I ask the question: "Wait, what's the workshop?" <laughs> after, after I agreed, and she's like, "Oh, it's called Understanding Women." Okay. <laughs> like now, you have to understand without any arrogance, because I, I, I have an artistic personality, and I think I thought that's what it was that I, I've always attracted sweet women. Period. Like that's I attracted and I attracted sweet women, so I never did the crazy stuff my friends did—the yelling, the screaming, the none of that. I just like so I thought it was me. Thought I do something, which I couldn't explain then, but I can now. By the way, I know what that was. But um so I'm gonna spend now a weekend in a workshop, ruin my weekend. I want to relax to, to go in a workshop on unfunded women. So I went backwards because I said I was gonna go. I mean that guy keep my word. Thought it was gonna be cute. Uh, big hotel space by the airport, walked in. Ooh, four hundred people in the space. Energy's interesting. I'm like, this isn't gonna be cute. Something going on here. Workshop started and all I can tell you is seven, maybe eight times during that workshop, I slipped completely off my chair, like on the floor, flabbergasted, baffled. And I realized, cause I realized I knew absolutely nothing about women. not a, not a thing. And a, this is a man who spent his life around women. Like my dance classes were with me and 45 girls. Like, you know what I mean? Like it was me, 45 girls, maybe two guys. I was soaked in the world of women. I just, I think I don't know anything about it. It was. It was. Actually, it was flabbergasting and kind of scary because my all my siblings, my my four the siblings in my family, everybody's divorced twice, three times, one four. You know what I mean? And I have my baby girl. I have my angel. We have two little kids by then. Like I have a, a toddler and a baby. Am I? And that the thought that I could be a statistic because I just didn't know, you know, what's going on with her. Uh, that's scared scared the life out of me. So I came back from that workshop. She said, why is this? Oh, it's a ghost because it really scared me. What I didn't know, when I realized I didn't know, was a liability for us. So Mr. Mr. Learned everything, kind of stepped right in, and took all the workshops that the company offered. A minute later, I'm a workshop leader for them because I'm a teacher. And that's, uh, that's how this leadership coaching started. It started right from that moment and then uh, continued to continue. So after I was done with these this company, I ended up studying with Dr. John Gray, Martin Venus, Shanti Felhan, love and respect in the South through um, uh, a lot of Bible frame around that that's interesting to me because I would rejected all that but now I'm back. While uh, Esther Perel, she's a French therapist in New York City. She talked like this still to this day 30 years in New York City as yeah, she t- but her work is about love and intimacy, and why people cheat and why people stay. What's the the sexual and, and part of uh, being in a long term relationship? And Dr. Pat Allen in Los Angeles, who's like a forty four year you know uh, family ch- uh, family child therapist, uh, marriage therapist, which I trained one on one with for three and a half years, and literally passed on all of her life's experience directly. Like so, I have a cocktail of five masters in the world of marriage relationship. You know, through anthropology, um, psychology, chemistry, um, be- human behavior, and ultimately um, basic programming. So in that, I could literally kind of, I, I without, without any arrogance, I think I'm untouchable as far as being able to explain and lead and help people with their dynamics with each other in relationship. By the way, straight, gay, lesbian, all the same. It's not a. It's not a. Um, it's not a like classical necessarily setting, but there's a classic way for relationships to grow, to come together, to complement the two pieces, to grow something fantastic. So that's how we got to be here. Ooh, so sorry. I'm oh, sorry.
0: All right. Yeah. Well, and now we're here. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, before I jump into some of the mm-hmm. questions, actually. thinking about this as part of your story. So it seems like you've intuitively, right. Been able to just be good at relationships and be able to talk to people. And then you kind of, you found some gaps. And so you started working on those. But when you mentioned being in ballet class, looking at the teacher and being able to quickly emulate whatever move you needed to, I wonder how much of your kind of skills in relationships stem from being able to very easily model the person that you're engaged with mm, and so mm, mm, you know by just replicating those kind of the same movements um putting them at ease and so you can actually start working on the well, relationship so you
1: say this because now i i am obviously a relationship coach and I, I hold my own workshops and when we have live workshops i actually use the metaphors of dancing ballroom dancing put people in each other's arms complete strangers sometimes married couples because how you dance, literally. How you how, as a woman, if you can't be vulnerable with the man that's try trying to lead you, you're not going anywhere. It's a very clunky, difficult dance. As a man, if you are a soft lead or not confident, don't know how, and question yourself, she'll get frustrated, and angry with you, because she wants you to lead her. But so like there's a there's such a that so I put people in each other's arms, and within three or four minutes, their entire way of 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 being in a, like how they show up in a relationship is right in their face. It's a complete mirror. It's fantastic. So I think what you're saying is I kind of had an ease with that for some reason where I could actually mirror and pick up the other side and actually make them at ease really quickly. And that's actually very accurate. I never thought yeah. of it that way.
0: Yeah. It was something I noticed. I started in high school where like, you know, you're all seated in your desks and stuff. I notice if I would lean forward and just like put my hand on, you know, my yeah. fist under my chin, the person next to me would do it. And then you notice that someone else would do it. They didn't never look at you and see it. Yeah. It's just like they're doing what other people around them it's, are doing. So it like makes them feel more, more comfortable.
1: It's subliminal. It's uh, so we of like getting a, we call it rapport, right? Like you, somebody's in rapport because they're mm. mirroring right. you. That means they're comfortable and, and they're following you or the leadership or yeah. the conversation. And it's very
0: interesting. Right, it's fun to do yeah. at conferences. <laughs> you know, put, put a hand, put a hand in your pocket while everybody's standing around talking, and see what yeah. everyone else does. It's true. It's uh, absolutely true. That's, yeah.
1: I love it. that's the stuff that we do because I'm <laughs> one of those guys watching people react. Right. To- anyway,
0: yeah. Um, okay, so I want to get into some questions yes. now. Um, in the in the pre interview, we started talking about like the words you you're using, right? The way you're describing things, even, whether it's just in your head or mm-hmm. externally, and how those compare to the results that you're getting. And so I'd I'd love to go deeper on just how language changes some of our results, especially when we're talking relationships. And it really
1: applies to everything, you know, if you really, depending on what your focus in life is. But um, I do this with my clients, especially the ladies, but the men as well. But it's a a different dance a little bit, but uh, you know, we forget the quantum energy of our words. We think we're just words. It's just, it's just words. And we forget the power of, of the words. So, you know, with my ladies, I go, you understand that I want you to watch the thoughts and the words in your head because what goes on in here, your self-talk becomes the way you talk about yourself or the way you talk about the, your view of life, which becomes the things that you program and, and, and sort of whatever you focus on expands. So, if you have bad thoughts, you talk about it badly. You create a bad external world. It becomes your destiny, right? So, it's super, super, super powerful. To think that as a man, right now, me talking to you, I could disrespect you, make you pissed off, and hang the phone up, right? Or I can make you laugh, or I can make you cry, right? I could like make you stop and think and go into deep like this, like just with talking, right? Like it's incredibly powerful. So, a lot of people, not fully. Understanding this, Wolf, if life kicked you in the butt, if you had a poor childhood, if you had low self-esteem, if you don't feel worthy of anything good, the voice in your head is constantly talking. You will repeat these things either out loud or to yourself. It will create your reality and you think the world is doing it to you. And it's ultimately, you are doing it. So watch what you think. It becomes what you say, it becomes what you do, what you believe, what you're attracting, what you're making more of, and it becomes your life. So watch what you say, watch yeah. what you thought. It's, it's incredibly dangerous and powerful.
0: Right. And I think if, if all thoughts stem from the questions that we ask ourselves, right? Every thought stems from yeah. some question. Um, it's actually really interesting when you look back, take like your childhood and say, how can I have been born to the right. wrong family? that question changed the way you were thinking and literally changed the the direction completely, of your entire completely. life. Cause, cause to, the yeah, tone of that
1: was if I'm, if I'm not supposed to be here, because that's what it was. I found out ultimately my mother didn't want me. I was an accident. I was out of planning and they plan everything. And somehow I destroyed the planning. So she hated being pregnant, which transcribed trans transpire into hating me, you know, and, so I was not. I'm like I was born, but I'm not supposed to be here. Like in my bones, right in my flesh. Because if she, I'm, she's like he's not supposed to be here. He's ruining everything. Right? It's out of place. This is a mistake. So I was born with that in my gut, and like I said, at five I put it together. But that changed the course of my life completely. You know, for this a, a moment. But the, that voice in my head was, "I don't belong here. I'm not supposed to be here." And <laughs> no it, it's a kind of the mind band bender mind bender
0: right well well there's a case for like even the perinatal psychology of just like in in yeah. utero how different uh hormones were causing you, well, you to start shifting right By the we also of...
1: know that at seven months old the the, the 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 baby at seven months old starts recording everything on the nervous system so whatever she felt i felt whatever she experience i experienced whatever stress she created was created with my father i got so it, we we forget we think babies know nothing or, or are <laughs> babies are like super connectors super radars know everything at birth and before
0: um, so. so let's shift gears so that yes. we can uh we can hit all the business yes. all the business owners listening are probably hoping to yeah. get some tips for how they can work on the relationships within their company so that they can build more trust, uh, do, you know, get the team kind of moving yes. in the right direction, alignment and all of that. We had talked about uh, the need for expectation management yes. being critical. Uh, how do you, I guess, help leaders kind of set the tone for relationships.
1: Through uh, that? You know, being a leader is, is tedious, you know, because personality, you don't want to be too much of a, douche right some guys some guys don't care about any of that so they're douchey so then the team doesn't respond right there's so many variations of how you show up and a lot of people have uh imposter syndrome where they feel like who are who am i to direct these people you know what i mean i don't even know what i'm doing here right like so like all these layers will show energetically again with with, through the power of your words and the thoughts in your head of the world and your team or your company, your employees will respond to you. So one of the the things that I I watch people trip over the most is, and I've done this myself, I've done it, I learned, I crashed and burned, is the idea of if I treat my employees the way I want to be treated, they will respond respectfully. That's like so naive and, you know, looking back, we're so really naive and, and not smart. Because I've i had terrible employers, right? Before I started my career, I had terrible employers. Guys would yell at me because they had a fight with their wives. And I go, you can't talk to me that way. I'm the boss. I like, mean, you can't talk to me. You're fired. I'm like, just But I mean, my point is like, that's poor leadership. And so I, when I became an employee, an employer, I would treat my 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 employees with complete respect, never mess with their money, never mess with their time, always super respectful. You know what I mean? Expecting them, they would appreciate that and treat me with respect, you know, the job with respect, you know, not waste the material, not screw around when I'm not around and all these, right? Well, that was a bad joke because exact, none of that happened because everybody, we talked about this when we our pre-interview, where everybody's raised differently cultural things are different people value different things, even though we live in the same world. <laughs> and, um, so I realized that my expectations <laughs> were never shared. I never announced, I need you guys to be like this when I'm not around this way. I expect to act like, men, I respect you. Re- I expect you to respect my business, my time, the property, not to waste, right? I'm supporting you but i need you to like man up when you need to man up and you know not act like children not spending half hour in the bathroom because after lunch because you don't want to go back to it like none of that stops right but i never had those conversations so i'd get mad at them for not doing it my way but i never set up the boundaries so that was ridiculous looking back but i just it to me was so obvious right so we ended up having meetings with Expectation list, and now it's in the rules are in place. Fairly, I need you to be like this, to be like this, to be like this. And da, 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 da 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 And now there's a framework, so my expectations are clear. Whether it's business or personal relationship, by the way, it's even more tedious in personal relationships. We have a hard time setting setting boundaries around relationships because there's a psychology of that that we're more afraid of people not meeting our expectations. That way, in love matters or relationship, personal relationships. And if they blow us off or ignore our, you know, or ask for the way to behave or talk to you, uh, often it hurts even more because you share your expectations, they don't meet them. And now, now what now, right? So, and now the point from there, when you, your expectations are listed out loud, you know, this is the way I like it. This is the way it works for me, right? If I'm in charge, I need you to talk to me this way. I need to approach me this way. All this stuff, business, personal. Now there's a framework. And so when it comes to employee employees, you know, when they miss the expectation or misbehave, we have a meeting. Remember, remember the directions? Remember how we work around here? Like, so like this, I just, I cannot have that again. Just so you know, I'm paying attention and you're, all right. So I need you to correct that once, twice. And the second time I go, this is the second time. Plus it was a meeting up front. So now there's a third time really, but the third time I call you in here to correct this is the last time <laughs> that this is going to be brought forward. Cause you get to go. It's up to you to step up to your work. And it was very difficult for me in the beginning because you know, I had guys who had two, three kids. You know what I mean, I'm their source of income. And I'm a good man. I have families. I know what it's like to stress out about money and just all the stuff. We live in Los Angeles, for God's sake. It's not cheap. So the idea of firing somebody was difficult because I'm ruining their lives. Until I put these things in place, where one, two, three, you've been warned. It's up to you. You don't put up. You don't. You don't step up. It's on you. So you tell that to your wife. Don't blame me. Blame you. And that was very liberating. And I managed managed to have me set up in a way that was. For business, like clear, you know, with clear boundaries, where I, just, I can hold boundaries when they're set up, and I'm never the bad guy in that. It's up to you to match me,
0: right? Yeah, you're having them take personal ownership for it. Which, so I follow a, a similar model, like the one, two, three. Eight. We're going to talk about it twice. Try to set new plans for how yeah. we actually make it happen. Yeah, third time's on you. Uh, but I kind of realized the hard way. That like no one should be surprised right. about being <laughs> okay. fired, right? Like, and if, if you get to the point where someone like sits down, they're like, what? It's like, okay, I, I screwed up somewhere because this should have been obvious to you that if you right. made these mistakes, yeah, you'd be parting.
1: And it, I think, I think it goes back to leadership and making sure that you're clear because I, I this is the way I, I do it now. like as opposed to blaming them for not either. They didn't hear me. Right like right, or they didn't They didn't get what I was saying, I think that's on me to a degree. You know what I mean? Like if I always take the responsibility that whatever they, they're not correcting is because I wasn't clear, then I get to go dip again. You know what I mean? So, so I, I started practicing, repeat to me what I just said. Repeat to me what I, you just heard. That's not what I said. <laughs> what I said is this, now repeat it. Then all of a sudden like, it's interesting. I mean, it's amazing when you do that with people, how I say something and that's not what they heard, right? So that is that became the place of if they don't hear me right, is it me or is it them? Like, let me just right, have you repeat it. And now at that point, if they have heard me, you know, and they refuse to, now I'm just completely out of it. Like, this is all on you. And or my favorite that happens quite a bit is you didn't say that. I don't remember saying that. I yeah, three times, so now you're playing games with me, and you have zero accountability, and right this everything is the work. Here's your stub
0: and so, yeah, yeah, a couple of things on this, so like we we right. call them trackbacks, right, just like, hey, just track right. back to me what what we just talked about. um, I feel like a lot of leaders find find it childish to do it. Until you realize how much, how many problems it solves by just getting them to echo it back. Uh, we use it in the yeah. army. When, like It's a very clear thing because if you miss a piece right of this plan, yeah, people die yeah. Like, <laughs> on the other side. And so it's um, yeah, super good. Now, how do you kind of walk the line of making sure they, they grasp it, everybody's tracking, um, and not having like, this massive handbook? That someone needs to, like, tote around to understand what, you know, what all your guidance is. I think that's the
1: setup of the first three months of hiring somebody. You know what I mean? Set your expectation. You hire them for this purpose, not this purpose, right? So your job is this. So there's this limited kind of, you know, liability, not liability, but, like, it's not... in In my business, there was a welder, there was a frame guy, there was a painter, right? There was the alignment guy. Like, there's all different jobs that all work for the same product in the end, but completely really different job. So everybody being clear on everybody's uh job, you know, ultimately. So it's it's not that thick. <laughs> the rest of it, the rest of it is the the the, the standard stuff. And this is I think where most people fail or most when the wheels come off is I had one employee who tra- traveled from far to get to you know, and I remember when I hired him, I said, this is going to be a problem. This is Los Angeles. There's a lot of traffic, right? It's unpredictable. So if it takes you you're an hour to get here, you have to calculate an hour and a half to get here, just in case, because there's an hour of possible traffic problems that could stomp you, right? No, oh, no, no problem. No problem. And he started showing up for work half hour late, an hour late. And he goes, traffic, man, traffic, you know, it's LA. You know, and I'm like, no, you got to correct this. Right, because we all come from all over the place, and everybody's here at eight o'clock. So, well, I'll just work through my lunch. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> you don't get to make you don't make, you don't get to make your own rules around work and hours where everybody else gets to be here at eight. There's no exception for you because you can't you go further. Well, that's not fair. Like, and really, it's, it's in the basic of everybody does the same freaking thing. All these rules, you know, are the same for everybody, and you can't. But people will try to step out of this for their own comfort and you know, victim of whatever. And, uh, these are hard to break because they, they literally think they're, they have the right to. And of course, eventually he got fired and he just thought I was a jerk. Cause I didn't understand. Like.
0: Right. This is the perfect example yeah. of just culture setting. <laughs> because, so like all culture comes down to the standard that you hold and, uh, and it's on the leader, right. To say, no, this is like, I'm not lowering the bar for you. This is people like us do things like this. So, right. You're show and up the thing eight. is
1: the other right. employees, if I didn't hold him up accountable, the other guy's like, hey, what the hell? Why do we show up here? Like, how come he can? Right. He can't. The totally that like kills my credibility is out the door so, everywhere. Because okay. this guy gets away with whatever he wants to do. <laughs> well, no. And like I said, he had to go just for the sake of mm-hmm. the company competing, you know, working properly.
0: Moving into just some of the mistakes, common mistakes you see with leaders in a company interacting or just building that relationship with their, their employees? Like what are, what are those most common expectation, ones? Expectation,
1: miscommunication, uh, imposter syndrome, big one, big one. And the other one is uh, there's two things. There are people who don't follow up enough and the people who micromanage and micromanaging is Deadly, <laughs> especially if you work with men. Do not stand over a man to make sure he does it just your way. Your like there's there's a way of this is what I need. I need by this time go. you know what I mean? So if it's set properly, there's a time and place to finish it. Right? This this needs to be done by then. And if anything happens, come up to me and say, you know, this is impossible, and this is why, and this is when it's going to get done. Right? There's a whole chain of accountability. This life is complicated. Things are complicated sometimes, and rhythm and timing and whatever, um, micromanaging will make your employees hateful because it's disrespectful, right? And lack of follow-through makes them confused. And then you look like, you know, you don't get the results done. And then if you have somebody above you, that you end up in a really tight spot and you'll blame them for it when it's actually right back on you, right? So it's it's kind of a there's a sweet spot here somewhere but that's that's another one that i they see all the time like
0: yeah and it, it's interesting because like when you're talking about it, i wonder how many people have ever just asked the employee like how right. much do you want me checking because like there are some people granted it takes being a super self-aware person to know how much you yeah. want your leader coming to check on you uh, but like i'm a very much a fire and forget type of guy like you right. don't need to check on me like, tell me what needs right. to be done. I'll check in with you if I need something. Versus like I have other team members who who like, you know, every probably once a week, we'll have a quick call. That's just like, a, right. like, that hey, ability. how's everything going on these projects? And it gives, Yeah, it just looks right. good. They enjoy it. It
1: comes it. down to temperament. <laughs> you know, know your audience. Do you know who you're working with? You know, I remember one guy was an older guy. And, you know, you said this needs to be done. You know, get on it. And as soon as you're done, let me know. And not a word ever. He wouldn't say a word. He was just like, he would like a beast would disappear and go, that man is done. And I would go down the chain of the next guy who had to pick that up from there. Right. And and some others are like, see what I did. So when you were there, I was cleaning and you know, this took care of and it just needs to share everything that they've done. Okay. Thanks. You know what I mean? So know your audience. Um, know your audience, know who you're talking to because my favorite thing to say is, you know, this is the job, this is the work, if you need help, let me know, right? If you need if you need a tool, don't try to make it up yourself, try to get around, don't mess up the job because you didn't have to, let me know, like, I'm here to help you do your job at the same time, I can't guess what you need, whether it's manpower, tool, like, or information, like, don't guess, right? Don't, it doesn't make you um, weak to come to me with I'm stuck. Right. So, so I have to open that channel for them to know I'm here, you know, to help you do your job. And sort of keep me in the loop of what's, you know, stuff like, and it happened all the time. I learned this because the guys would break tools and not tell me, because they don't want to tell me they broke the tool. So now they're struggling with something else. And it takes three hours longer because the, are you kidding me? Just it's, it's happens, right. Tell me what's broken. I'll go get another one. Like, I'm not going to punish you. You're not six years old, right? But again.
0: Yeah. And so now how do you approach getting them to, to actually open up like that and, and share these things? I
1: tell them it's a must. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's a group effort. It's a company. We're, we're doing this. Is the work we're doing. So I provide you everything you need for you to be productive. You know, so if you break something, it happens. You're not going to get bitched out. You're not going to get screamed at. You're going to be humiliated. It it's, accidents happen and stuff breaks. So, but if you don't tell me, I'm going to lose my shit. You need to tell me. But because of, often something would happen, and and by the time the car needs to be at that level, now we don't have the and then stalls production. The car that was supposed to be delivered tomorrow now it can't go because I didn't know. I, that's stress. That's when. That's when. That's when. uh, So it's not about you. It's about what we're doing. It's the group effort. And something goes awry. I'll be completely cool if I know ahead of time I will lose it if trying to protect yourself. And in the end you break the, the the chain of of production.
0: Right. Cause now the entire team is impacted. There you go.
1: And so now everybody, and it's funny Mm because when I do this, even the other guys will keep everybody accountable. Like now it becomes a team effort. If if I'm not there, the loop will continue with other guys going, Oh, you like, like that car is not going to get ready then. So we need to tell Patron, like, you know what I mean? Or proactive or go mm-hmm. to the manager.
0: Right. Yeah. Awesome. Andre, this has been a great conversation. Uh, I'm going to hit you with some semi-rapid-fire oh, questions yeah, right now. Yeah. Uh, first one, what book do you think everyone should read? Ooh, One of my favorites, uh, God, is
1: written in 1928, Napoleon Hill, Outwitting the Devil.
0: So that was probably my second most gifted book so <laughs> for uh, for a year uh after after reading yeah. it what was your so first one i'm curious it was uh, essentialism by greg McCown.
1: essentialism i never heard that one
0: yeah I'm definitely a little, I'm definitely, a definitely right worth a read. um uh, yeah and the devil was a was a good one i don't know that i took everything as like well we don't know right perfectly right, real right, right, right. but but, but uh and, but yeah, it was just the concept. If you
1: consider that the devil in the book is fear itself.
0: And yes. if you read it that right.
1: way, as opposed to reading him having a conversation with the devil the or the metaphor of like this, the devil yeah. is fear. And what does fear just do and destroy you from inside? Talk about the voice in your head, right? Like, what is going on in here, fear like, you know, that is keeping you from living, producing, you know, attaining everything and really truly being free to be you and to be in the world and doing the world what you're born to be Fear, deadly.
0: Yeah. Um, for our listeners, something that's really fun about outwitting the devil is that Napoleon Hill didn't want to publish it All right. uh, because he was worried about how the world would take it. He passed away before it was published. His wife read it, didn't want to right. publish it. And it was only years after she passed away, the publishing house said, it was actually a member this. of
1: his family. I think it's uh, his granddaughter. Who, like she the family, he so, said this needs to be out. That they actually cleaned it up a little yeah. bit to make it more. But yeah, they were afraid of the repercussion because it goes against the church, it goes against the government, right. it goes against everything. Because education, education system education is all yeah. fear based to keep people trapped and not right. thinking. And these, if you know, and the freedom, the fear that they instill in us, the devil he calls it, is you know when you see the game. Oh, it's a different reality. So I think it's brilliant, and, right. and again, yeah, it was yeah. 70 years before they released it. Crazy,
0: right? Crazy, crazy. Awesome. But, uh, awesome. Yeah, I would recommend Straight that book up. too. Uh, so, hey, what's uh, next for you professionally? Well,
1: you know, my job. I mean, I'm a relationship coach, right? A communication expert. That's part of the relation, the the coaching, whether it's business, personal, marriage, whatever. But um, I'm busy everybody's confused in relationships like it's it's interesting where i mean it's factual right we think that the the fact that all the rules have been tossed out the window should make life easier and it may be true in a lot of ways for business and career and money but when it comes to relationships it's a disaster like there's no i mean you understand that and this is specifically worse for women i'm just going to say because the statistic now that women are more unhappy now, today, than they've ever been in the history, recorded history of humanity. More unhappy than your grandmothers, who a lot of people say they were slaves to. Unhappy now. And there's really good reasons in my world, and I can explain it, but that's a big problem. Women are unhappy and are feeling abandoned by men because we change all the rules. It's not working. So, and people often accuse me of like, trying to take us back to the fifties and it makes me laugh. Cause the last thing I ever want to do, but there's a classic, more classic or more traditional way of being in relationships that in lines up with nature. You know, a lot of stuff we're doing now is against and away from nature thinking, you know, we release the bonds of everything that's normal. So by doing whatever we want, we have the freedom. It doesn't work in relationships. Right, you flip the scripts. It does. It makes things confusing, harder, mind-boggling. Women are not happy. Men are confused, and everybody's sort of on their sides, wondering what's happening. You know what I mean? And women say stuff like, "Where are all the good men?" And the men are like, "Where are the women? These are not women anymore. These are these are you know these are men with vaginas. Like these these like where are the women? Where are the feminine women? So there's a." That's the stuff that I'm sort of dealing with all the time. So I'm busy because it's out there. But the big goal, the big, I have a God calling that is, oof, it's so big, <laughs> it's overwhelming sometimes. But I'm, I'm to help recalibrate the culture when it comes to men and women's relationship dynamics. What's happening in the world right now, everything that we flip seemingly is liberating, it doesn't work. It destroys relationships. It destroys family systems. And when family falls apart, culture falls apart, society falls apart. Look around. So, my God calling is to actually kind of teach this material to recalibrate and go back to a little bit more, more natural what works, what works. You know, if you look behind me, look, it's my wife and I ballroom dancing. Right? There's something beautiful and classical about this. And relationships are perfectly a version of this. You know, there's two people come together to create a new dance, right? There's a lot of practice that has to go in that. You have to know how to be the leader and how to be the supporter. And it doesn't make the supporter weak. Now, my wife does everything that I'm doing backwards and high heels in a dress. It's not easier. It's different, right? But we convince women that being supportive in the supportive role is less than Houston. It creates a huge problem. And again, it's not back to the 50s. There's a modern way to do this, a balanced way to do this, a sweet spot, I call it, where you could both bring to each other the part that the other one doesn't have and flourish and have loving, glowing, satisfying relationships and be able to raise kids if that's what you want and them to be healthy and be able to, for them to build also healthy bonds and healthy relationship with others, you know, when they grow up to create healthy families and really kind of, this is the basis of of society, families, family structures. That's how you keep the world, you know, steady, stable, and productive. The right. other way, it's a nightmare.
0: And if anyone wants to uh, join you on that journey, where can they find you? All right. So, actually, I have a couple of gifts for you, listeners. That's okay.
1: Is that okay? So, <clears throat> I'm, in my, from my perspective, there's two types of people who listen to podcasts. There are people who want some information. They're just curious. So if you're a person who wants some information and are curious, I'm going to pull up my little book. Hold on. Is it right here? It's right here. If you email me directly, I don't want to give you my direct email address. If you do, email me at AndreCoaching1 at gmail.com. AndreCoaching1 at gmail.com. And in the title of the email, you write um, irresistible book. I have this uh, 30-page book that I call Five Feminine Qualities I Value Men Find Absolutely Irresistible. It's a workbook, so there's work to be done inside. Thirty pages. I sell it on my website. I'll send it to you, listeners, for free. Just a gift. So, if you want some information, curious about what I do, what I talk about, what men find irresistible, ladies, because you don't know, <laughs> men are very clear, but you don't know. But and men can explain it. It's right here. Andre Coaching One. Now, other listeners typically want action or want movement. Want so if. You're curious about what I just talked about. If you're curious about my work, if you're curious about learning about the dance relationship and what works, Andre coaching one at Gmail, but in, in a subject matter, just put talk now. And my team and I will send you a link, a zoom link, where you and I will talk one-on-one for about an hour and discuss really what's not working for you. where you stuck, right? There's a loop. We find ourselves stuck in a loop. That's the belief system from childhood running your life that you forgot about. Loop the loop, the loop. Men are all, women are all. I never, I'm not good, right? What's wrong with me? Like that's the loop. So I'm. We can uncover the loop in fifteen minutes. I'm really, really good at this. And that phone call alone is very liberating because you understand there's nothing wrong with you. You're a product of your past. If you're stuck, right? And and then from there, like I'll, I'll tell you, it. You know, I have different ways to work with me if that's what you want. So. I'll do coaching one. Talk now. We'll have a conversation. It takes being ready. It takes a little courage, but I'm this guy. I'm on your side, you know, and that call has turned people's around. That call alone has turned some people's lives around, just understanding that they're not broken.
0: All right. Well, Voila. thank you for those. It was Absolutely. a great conversation. We'll uh, do it again sometime.
1: Yeah. And the
0: website, if I may,
1: if you don't mind. Uh, it's project .dot net, .dot com. You know, somewhere else. And I have, I have blogs. I'm connected. You have all the connections to. I have a Instagram, of course, TikTok, and Facebook, and all that jazz. It's all linked. Um, a lot of blogging, a lot of YouTube Shorts on there. Like, just go have fun. You can spend the day. You know, with the stuff that I uh, put out there. If you're
0: curious. All right. Awesome. Thanks again. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, it's awesome. Anytime at all. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love a rating and review on your favorite podcast player. And for more information on how to build effective and efficient teams through your leadership, visit leadingforeffect.com. As always, deserve it.